Welcome to the Power of Partnership podcast. I'm Rihanna Eisler, president of the Center for Partnership Systems. This podcast brings you voices from the partnership movement, people using partnership practices to build a world that values caring, nature, and shared prosperity. The Power of Partnership podcast is hosted by Sherry Jacobs Pruitt, a health policy and partnership scholar. Today, Sherry interviews Dr. Teddy Potter, clinical professor and director of the Center for Planetary Health and Environmental Justice at the University of Minnesota School of Nursing. And now on to the POP podcast, showing how we can partner with nature. Welcome back to the Power of Partnership podcast, Teddy. Your episode on healing healthcare that was released back in August was so helpful and informative, and I'm so excited today to speak with you now about planetary health and that intersection with human health. Thank you. It's nice to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. So let's start by asking you first to clarify, what is planetary health, and does it differ from climate change? That's a great question. So I'm going to give you the official definition, and then I'm going to tease out some uh, key points. The official definition is that planetary health is a solutions-oriented, transdisciplinary field and social movement focused on analyzing and addressing the impacts of human disruptions to Earth's natural systems on human health and all life on Earth. So a couple points here. This is solutions-focused, not just problem-oriented. So we um, uh, oftentimes do a lot of research in the nature of the problem, but right now we have to delve deeply into the solutions. Secondly, it's transdisciplinary. It is not one field over another field. It's all the various fields and sciences and arts coming together and creating a movement for change. It's looking at all the ways that humans disrupt um, Earth's natural systems. So climate change is one of those problems and a very urgent one of those problems, but equally urgent is biodiversity loss and um, uh, the way we're uh, deforesting our, our our planet and the use of land um, and that, that is now becoming desert and our toxic uh, waste that we're dumping and our huge amount of plastic waste that we're creating. So it has, and our water shortages. So it's many, many of these earth related issues that all have human uh, uh, behavior as their root cause. And so we're planning on how do we change or modify our human behaviors so that we create a thriving uh, paradigm for uh, future generations to survive and exist. So, Teddy, you're the first director of planetary health for the School of Nursing at the University of Minnesota. You're the chair for the Clinicians for Planetary Health. You're a member of the steering committee of the Planetary Health Alliance at Harvard. You're the co-founder of the Health Professions for Healthy Climate, along with several other committees and institutes. 
that focus on the intersections between the planetary health crisis and health and healthcare workers. Can you speak a little bit more about these intersections? Certainly. So um, I am a systems thinker. And so um, I don't solve things in just one one little area. I look at how everything is interconnected. And in order for us to improve human health and health of all species, it's not just focus on human health, we need to be looking at things in broad systems uh, ways. And so that has led me to be involved with people all over the globe that are working on this initiative, not just in our traditional healthcare uh, sector, but anybody who's working on the health of the planet and ecosystems and um, human health and social structures that impact human health. So it is the big enough tent to hold everyone. Um, everything is interconnected, global health, one health, eco health, public health, sustainable development goals. All of us are connected under this broad umbrella called planetary health. Beautiful, beautiful. So you're also the executive editor for the Interdisciplinary Journal of Partnership Studies, which is a peer-reviewed, open-access online journal that promotes transdisciplinary partnership-based solutions for solving society's grand challenges. Can you speak about the obstacles to, but also the opportunities for transdisciplinary research in terms of publishing and promoting your scholarship on planetary health? Well, certainly. Um, the, The journal itself has been a paradigm shift. And um, it was uh, historically, I'm just going to get a little bit of the story. We founded the journal, um, Rihanna Eisler and the School of Nursing and the library system of the University of Minnesota back in 2014 in uh, response to a couple things. One was to get uh, the work of Rihanna Eisler's um, moving to much greater audiences and to scholarly audiences and people who read materials and then can cite the materials in their own scholarly work. We also, I was bucking the traditional publishing system, which if you aren't connected with a university or a hospital system or another organization that has publishing um, rights, you know, that pays or pays for publications, individuals have to pay $25 a day per article to read, to download an article. Now, that does not seem just to me, and it excludes a massive amount of our global population that do not have access to publications. So um, right about that time, I had heard about open access publishing, and I thought, this makes sense. So the whole journal itself is a paradigm shift, both in its its, uh, viewership or its audience, it's transdisciplinary, and in its commitment um, to an open access, um, peer-reviewed setting. We wanted to make sure all people are invited to the table, and this is where it aligns with planetary health. Planetary health is not just health professionals and not just scientists. We need people of faith. We need authors. We need um, uh, artists. We need uh, uh, people who are um, in agriculture, farmers. Everyone is needed in this movement. So the journal is um, a perfect venue for us to continue to move this forward because we seek the input and the scholarship of everyone. 
So, Teddy, can you discuss how our approach to nature differs based on a domination versus a partnership paradigm or social lens? That's a wonderful question. Actually, we, um, uh, Rianne Eisler and I have a whole chapter dedicated to this um, notion in our book um, that we wrote about transforming uh, interprofessional um, relationships. So, um, uh, humans weren't always, um, cons- we, we didn't always consider ourselves separate from nature. Um, the original people, the indigenous people all over the world, foundational to that thinking and that paradigm was the understanding that humans and our part of nature absolutely interconnected with nature. What you do to one, you do to the other. And so when we went off the rails uh, and started to think, oh, we were better than, um, we were more than, we had more power than nature, when we split ourselves off from nature, that started the whole cascade of these human disruptions to our environment. It meant that we could blow up the tops of mountains. It meant that we could indiscriminately cut down forests, that we could pollute rivers without any consciousness, that we could take all the water, all the resources for us um, uh, living right now. That is brought us to the brink of extinction. And I'm not being overly dramatic here. We we're at the point of making some serious choices here. That is the domination um, um aspect of our relationship with nature. Humans are separate. We're better than. We're above. Um, it, there isn't an interaction we can uh, indiscriminately use. Moving back towards a partnership understanding is we are absolutely interconnected. We want to be in relationship with nature. And nature has rights. Um, and now you're seeing the rights of nature movement come forward so that rivers have rights and that future generations have rights, that we have got to be making today's decisions based on an understanding of what will be um, beneficial for seven generations from now. So it's a rethinking of our relationship with nature. Instead of nature being something that we need to control, that we need to be um, fight against, that we need to uh, contain, um, it is it, nature is um, us and nature is everything around us and we're all interconnected. So let's work in partnership, being deeply respectful of different ways of knowing, different ways of being, um, and different ways of doing. And um, that's where we're trying to reorient. Teddy, you speak about the recognition or the re-recognition or the remembering of the importance of treating our planet for generations to come. And I know there was a recent success in the state of Montana that youth actually led. Can you talk about the role of youth in this movement? Yes. Um, But first of all, I want to say, let's make sure that those of us that are no longer young do not turn and say to the youth, oh, we're so glad you're going to solve this problem. That is a wrong reading of what um, uh, what the youth bring to the table. And that is not fair and it is not just and it is unkind to put um, everything on the youth's shoulders. Therefore, what can the youth contribute along beside us in partnership with those of us that are older than young? And that is 
vibrancy and excitement and hope. And the youth bring a whole different way of thinking. They they haven't necessarily had the current structures baked into them. As a matter of fact, they feel free to to challenge the current structures. They see the flaws in the way that our our systems are set up, and so they bring that new set of eyes on what is this? What what are the problems, and what do we need to reinvent? They also bring a hope for the future. They will be living the future. This will be their life in their lifetime. What do they want it to look like? What do they want the systems to look like? So it is absolutely essential that we partner with youth, that they're not token um, uh, uh, you know, representatives at a table and where decisions are made around them and they're just sort of like a poster child uh, at the table. They have got to be fully present, fully empowered, and fully recognized with their contributions to um, our future solutions. You are listening to the Power of Partnership podcast. If you would like us to share your partnership story, or if you would like to become a proud sponsor of the POP podcast, please contact us at center at partnershipway.org. And now back to today's episode. So Teddy, how can people practice partnership with nature in big and small ways? Mm. So I like to talk about um, really seeing interconnected, just like the web of life. Everything absolutely is interconnected. So no action is too small and no action is too big. No action, one action is not necessarily more important than another action. The point is to act. The point is to live and live fully. So um, some simple things that people can do. Um, I really encourage them to um, live this out, to be conscious, fully conscious about all the things that are around them. Um, be aware of the, the sensory shifts, the changes in nature, the changes in seasons, the, the changes in light. Um, be aware of air quality. Be aware of when are the, is pollen being produced. Um, become fully aware. Sometimes I think that uh, the more we're online and the more we're working on computers, we actually become more cyborg than we are a natural, a citizen of the natural uh, environment. So it's coming back into our, in a way, animalness, our sensory uh, awareness of what's going on in the world. So that's one thing, being fully conscious of everything that's going on around us. I urge people to, to um, uh, travel, but not always just long distances. Travel uh, close by. Notice the flowers that are growing in your garden. Notice the grass that's coming in, in your space. What are what's have a relationship with the trees? Recognize their bark, recognize their leaves, recognize their seeds, recognize the rhythm of their days. That's as exciting travel as hopping on a jet plane. Because we've dismissed our local environment as something that's common and not that important, we've missed this incredible travel opportunity. So get to your local parks, get to your local rivers or mountains or whatever is in your environment and explore them deeply and have a deep relationship with them. And you will find that, ah, that was just amazing. You'll come back rejuvenated just like you do when you travel um, at a distance. And then think about where your food comes from. 
every meal that you sit down to, think about, okay, what went into this meal? What are the products? If it's a grain meal, who planted the grain? Where did that grain come from? Who harvested the grain? What natural resources were necessary for that grain to grow? How much sun, water, soil, etc.? All, we can do that with everything, every beverage that we drink, every vegetable that we eat. Um, we can be consciously aware of all that went into that becoming part of our existence and part of our bodies. Similarly, we want to make sure that we are um, uh, aware of uh, eating locally and eating seasonally. There is a wonderful rhythm to that of not trying to force ourselves to eat I don't know, almost plastic strawberries in the middle of winter if that's not the season for strawberries. So just being fully alive and fully connected to this great web of life. So, Teddy, are there specific resources for our listeners that you'd like to call out, both in terms of them getting involved if they want to go beyond their personal day-to-day behaviors and awarenesses, but also related to helping understand how that deeply internalized domination narrative is impacting them personally and their community and world around them. Well, certainly. So for more information about domination and partnership and cultural transformation, I would guide people again to the Interdisciplinary Journal of Partnership Studies. Those articles are all open access so they can download them. They can uh, have a PDF of the articles on their desktop and they can really scroll through and see many, many topics covered in that journal. It's not just health, but it's uh, community social services, it's international relationships, it's gender relationships. So um, people can uh, go according to what their passions are and their interests. I'm going to speak more um, clearly or more in depth about how to get involved in planetary health. So there's a YouTube out that's called The Promise of Planetary Health. That's a wonderful starting point to understand this whole paradigm shift deeper and what we're calling the globe to do. So I would urge people to start there, the YouTube that's called The Promise of Planetary Health. Secondly, if you go to the Planetary Health Alliance website, that is an alliance of over 360 organizations, nonprofit organizations, universities who are working in to restore the health of the planet and to educate our future uh, citizens how to live as planetary health-informed beings. And so wonderful, wonderful resources. In particular, I want people to look at the uh, planetary health education framework. This was a framework that we brought together. Um, we brought together people from all different fields. There were 24 experts from around the world. And the question was, what do all students in higher education or people who are um, adults that are uh, have graduated need to know about planetary health? Well, when you bring 24 experts for 24 different fields together, we came up with a list of about 500 things that we felt we needed to um, teach everyone. Well, that doesn't work. Um, we, we need to have it much more simple. So by working together in partnership, we came up with five core domains um, that people need to be uh, familiar with and embrace as part of this, this new paradigm. 
interconnection within nature. I've spoken with that uh, with about that extensively already. Um, the anthrop- Anthropocene and health, understanding that these changes that we're seeing right now are caused by humans. They're not na- natural. They're not normal. They are not uh, patterns that have been seen through time. This is highly abnormal and it's threatening human health. People need to understand that. Equity and social justice. We need to understand that any solution we put forward has got to work for everyone. It can't just work for the few. It has to be grounded deeply in setting up new systems that are based in equity and social justice. Complexity and systems thinking. Absolutely essential that we do not just come up with a solution that works over here without considering all the other unintended consequences that can disrupt the entire system. So people need to understand systems thinking and complexity. And finally, movement building and change. How do we um, put all these ideas and values into action? So that's the planetary health education framework. I highly encourage people to go to that and see what um, we're we're suggesting is uh, how we shift this paradigm. The other, the other documents, the Sao Paulo Declaration for Planetary Health, and this was a global call um, and globally designed on what is the future that we're envisioning. So the global call takes each sex- sector. What does the business sector need to change? What do researchers need to change? What do policymakers need to change? People in the, um, who are city planners, people who are in the health sector. And you go to your sector. There's one for artists and, and um, poets. It's You go to your sector, and it's the global vision for the future we're trying to co-create. So that's another important document. All of these documents can be found at the Planetary Health Alliance. And I would encourage you to go there and join the movement. You can sign up to be part of the newsletter and um, join the movement. Wonderful. So incredibly helpful and so much information to absorb and internalize. For our listeners, I want to make sure and share that all of these resources that Teddy has just shared with us will be available and linked on the show notes for today's episode, along with the link to the Interdisciplinary Journal of Partnership Systems, and of course, a link to the Center for Partnership Systems, where you can sign up for any one of numerous courses that will help you dig deeper into Rian Eisler's cultural transformation theory. Teddy, I'm wondering before we close, if you have any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners. Um, I would just like to end on a note of hope. The future that we are co-creating as a global community of planetary health um, uh, people and partnership people is a beautiful future. And we just need to be finding each other and working together. We once knew what we need to know to have a better future. It's about remembering um, that our indigenous leaders, indigenous knowledge uh, gives us the tools and the values to move us forward in a direction that is thriving and surviving. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Power of Partnership podcast. We're grateful to Rising Appalachia for the use of resilience as our Power of Partnership theme music. If you would like us to feature your partnership story, 
Or if you would like to be a proud sponsor of the Power of Partnership podcast, please contact us at center at partnershipway.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will leave us a review on your favorite podcast channel. And don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released. I'm Cherry Jacobs Pruitt. See you next time on the Power of Partnership podcast. I am resilient. I trust the movement. I negate the chaos. Uplift the negative. I'll show up at the table again and again and again. I'll close my mouth and learn to live.